your wife. Oh, that's three of us, that's good. I'm going to read first of all from Mark. It is such a privilege to be here. Uh, I can't believe that some of you were here when I was here 40 years ago and you don't look any older and When I was young, the Dead Sea wasn't even sick. It's all right. Mark 6 and verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they, what they taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. Rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them, came together to him. And Jesus, when he came, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and, and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them, all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he'd taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples his deci to his disciples to set before them and the two fish. He divided them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000. Wow. Wow. I want to talk this morning about lessons from a happy meal. Lessons from a happy meal. And uh, we've been looking in recent weeks. By the way, just turn to the person nearest to you and, and say to them, when God made you, he was showing off. Because <laughs> it's true, you know. We heard last week, whose image is on the coin, remember? Whose image? Are we in? We are made in God's image. When God made you, he was showing off. And we've been looking in recent weeks at what happens when people make themselves available to God. And I thought I'd highlight some principles from this very well-known miracle that I believe uh, will help us to open our hearts to the Lord. And uh, we've read a very significant miracle. And it is included in all of the Gospels. And I was debating even this week which one to read from and uh, it seems to be the miracle that had the most impact uh, of all the miracles Jesus did it seems to be because we read in verse 14 um, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did they began to say surely this is the prophet who is coming to the world Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew 
again to a mountain by himself. That's John 6 and verse 14. So it's a really important miracle. You'll know the story, many of you, but I'm going to recap quickly. The, the crowd have been listening to Jesus, and uh, comes the end of the day, and Matthew records that when it was evening, the disciples came saying, this is a desert place, the time is now past, send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves vigils. It's a sad fact that too often the church wants to send the multitude away. While Jesus is saying, now you give them something to eat. So there's a crisis looming after this great day of teaching and there's 5,000 men plus everyone else and only one has remembered his dinner. It wouldn't happen here, would it? I know. Only one has remembered his dinner. His mom has lovingly prepared his little picnic. And I guess he's got so enthralled listening to Jesus, he hasn't got round to eating it. And by the close of the day, you could the, the disciples are standing there. And think, Is that thunder in the distance? No, it's all the stomachs rumbling. And... and uh, only one little lad has got food and he's walking through the midst of this crowd. 5,000 people. I want to look very quickly this morning at four things Jesus did with that little lad's lunch. Okay? For in them we see a wealth of spiritual truth. We see the path to a fruitful Christian life and the principles for a balanced church. Verse 41. When he'd taken the five loaves and the two fishes... He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. Now, if you're thinking of nodding off, when I've done this sentence, you can, all right? He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. That's it. That's the message. We can put kettle on now, I suppose. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. That is the pattern for discipleship. It's a pattern for the church, for fruitfulness. He took. One thing released Jesus to do this great miracle. We've heard a lot about availability in the past couple of months. One thing released Jesus to do the miracle. This young lad did a transaction with Jesus. In the midst of a crowd of over 5,000 people, many wouldn't have seen what was happening. But this young lad stretched out his hand with his loaves and his fishes, probably wrapped in an old cloth. Can you imagine it? Picture it as he reaches out to Jesus and the Son of God stretches out his hand. The hand that made the universe, figuratively speaking. The hand that touched the lepers. The hand that raised the dead. The hand that would soon be nailed to a cross. Into that hand, this little lad placed his dinner and Jesus got it because he gave it. And without that transaction, this miracle wouldn't be in your Bible. He took there can be no substitute for that transaction. I've got to say, I got converted, now this is ancient history, 1973, I gave my life to Christ, and I've never, ever, ever wanted to consciously backslide. I've had lots of times of failure, even despair, but truthfully, when I said yes to Jesus, 
It was a done deal. But I've got to tell you, to get to that place, there was a struggle. There really was. I was quite happy to give Jesus six hours a week. I thought Christianity was the three musketeers. You musketeer on Sunday morning, you musketeer on Sunday night, and you musketeer at the Bible study. I mean, that, I thought that was it. But giving me wallet and me diary, abdicate self-government, make him lord of everything, and something deep down said, hang on a minute, let's rethink this. There was part of me that said, oh, I really want to follow Jesus. But there was, a, there was an old nature that said, oh no. Think of what I might have to give up. I want to tell you folks, without this transaction, you will never get God's best. He took. He took. And can you really say that you have given your life to Jesus? Because without that transaction, you're just being religious. Ouch. Hmm. I have to emphasize this one. It was in the giving of this young lad's offering to Jesus that the miracle started. He took. He blessed. Let's move on quickly. You might think Jesus was just giving thanks for the meal, and I'm sure he was. But I would suggest to you that when he says Jesus blessed, it means he put something there that wasn't there before. Hello? He put something there that wasn't there before. Now, if you're my age, I don't think there's anybody my age yet, but I reckon there's always a... I always think of this as the old bread adverts. Okay, I do, because it started off as Mother's Pride, didn't it? Yeah, and then it was sun-blessed. Then it became Wonderloaf. And if you're old enough to remember that, mind yourself on the steps on the way out. They're a bit steep. One minute it's a little lad's happy meal, the next minute he's feeding thousands. How come? Because Jesus takes that which is willingly given and he puts in his power that the need might be met. He wants to do the same with you. Let me tell you something. God chose the weak and the foolish and you got in. Hello? God chose the weak and the foolish and you got in. But when you gave your life to Jesus, I, we don't get it, do we, sometimes? We just don't grasp it. When we gave our lives to Christ, it opened up the possibility of God blessing us, of put something there that wasn't there before. We, we're going to talk next week about the, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. But I've got to tell you, you don't have to wait till next week. Hello? The Holy Spirit longs to, to, to fill you with power for service, for spiritual warfare, for spiritual overflow. So many things he wants to do in you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do all that we ask, <laughs> he's able to do above all we ask, or think according to the power that works in us. He took, he blessed.
Let's get back to our little story. He did something then that isn't so appealing. He broke. He broke them. He took, he blessed, he broke them. Now this is not a popular teaching in these days of, forgive me, uh, you know, God is my divine Argos story. If I can just get the right scripture, come round here, press a button, and God will just send the answer that don't work like that. Tell you, I've walked with Jesus 40, 40 odd years now, and it just doesn't work quite like that. Because you have to understand, and by the way, that I can't teach this church anything about brokenness. As I look over the last 30, 40 years, I've always kept in touch with what's going on here. And we have had some seasons of brokenness. Of course we have. And we may not like it, but brokenness is a key teaching of Scripture because God wants us to be aware that his sufficiency does not depend upon our ability. Let me explain this a bit. God delights to use broken things. That famous pot in Jeremiah had to be rebuilt, you know, broken and then remade as a vessel for the master. The alabaster box in the Gospels that had to be broken before the perfume could fill the house. And in an awesome exhibition of divine providence, when the body of our dear Saviour was broken upon the cross, salvation for the whole world streamed forth. Some say God wants to break our will. I don't think that. I think he sometimes wants to break our self-will and our self-importance. But as a church, we will have known times of blessing. We will have known times of brokenness. And whilst we always prefer the former, we can truly say that even in the brokenness, God has somehow worked stuff out that maybe we won't understand Till we get to glory. The poet said, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, leaving me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. Never a word, said she. But all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You see, there are times, and this is tough stuff, there are times when we just do not understand what God is up to, why he's doing it this way. And the enemy will come along and say, oh, well, there must be something wrong with you. Or it's just, well, you're just, you, you're just never going to be used by God. I've got to tell you, I'll say it again, that our brokenness is our qualification sometimes. The Apostle Paul had a, a life-affecting problem of some sort. And, and, and uh, three times he said, God, take it away. We call it the thorn in the flesh, don't we? And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, listen to this carefully. This is in your Bible. Anybody got a Bible? This is the Bible. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Let me say it again. 
Our brokenness is not our disqualification. It's our qualification. And I haven't got any snap answers on the big stuff. Hello? Least of all in this church family here. There are things that have happened in our lives that will, will one day we may ask God why. I don't know if we will. But I do know this. He's still working it all together for good. And he's doing something in us. He's doing something in us that we do not understand. He took, he blessed, he broke, and finally, and you know that's the word that preachers give you to give you hope. <laughs> you know what finally means, don't you? Absolutely nothing. Finally, he gave. Now, I would really, when I, I, I used to say when I get to heaven I'm going to watch the DVDs. Now it's the MP4s, I suppose. But... Uh, but I want to see what I'd love to have been there. Watch this. As they start to dish out the bread and the fish. And I feel sorry for the early ones. I mean, I'm sure this has never happened to you because you're very posh in Derby, aren't you? But when I was growing up as a kid and I, I got converted, I come from a very dysfunctional family. Uh, my father gave all our money to sick animals, but he didn't know they were sick when he backed them. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, some of you recognise that syndrome. And, and, and we were very, well, I say dysfunctional. But when I, when I got converted, I, I'd go to some of these posh Christians' houses. And they, I, you ever done this? And they'd sit down and they'd lay all the food out in the middle. It was help yourself. Well, I'd never done this before. I mean, it was like growing up for me with me brother and sister. It was every man for himself getting quick. But now everybody's being polite and all the food's there. And they say, help yourself. And you look and you go... So you get yourself three peas, half a carrot. Have you done it? You know you have, really. You're all pretending you haven't. But uh, you, you, you just put a tiny bit. And then they start to, then as it goes round the room, by the time it gets to person number five, he's slapping the food on. You know it's true. Well, could you imagine what it was like at the feeding of the 5,000? I wonder which disciple you'd have followed. I think I'd have followed Peter. I wouldn't be able to resist it because I, I just think it'd be great. And he gets there, they've got one happy meal, all right? And they break it up into 12 pieces. Okay, just imagine that for a minute. They break it up, I don't know how much they'd have. And then Peter sets off with his and he gets to the front row. And he, typical of Peter's look, there's a woman sitting in the front row and a, well, I think she's a Sabbath day's journey round, to tell you the truth. And he goes to her, take a bit and pass the rest on. <laughs> and as he passes it on, and as it goes round, by the time he gets to the end of the row, there's more there than he started with. And he goes round, and he gives out, and he gives out. By the time it has gone round all the groups of 50, not only do they have a well-fed congregation, but they have 12 baskets left over. How many baskets? And how many disciples? Have you got it? This is the word of the Lord. If I can truly get you, then I will surely bless you. And even though I may have to break you, I will use you to feed the multitudes around. And all the time there will be an overflow of blessing and provision for your own soul.
you know, the church is a funny institution, isn't it? We're the only people that exist for the benefit of our non-members. It's true, isn't it? We're not here for us. We're here because this world out there is broken. This world is, is, is just desperate for some answers. And God has chosen the weak and the foolish. And you got in. And you got in. And I think that's just great, you know. Because the more I look at the way God works, I realize there's hope for us. I mean, can you just imagine if Jesus only took those that are clever? Well, I'm out. Intelligent. Whoops. Fit. Hello? The weak, the foolish, so that he can confound the mighty. And you know, church, and I better be careful or I'll end up preaching another sermon, but this world is in a mess, isn't it? Anybody watch the news this week to cheer themselves up? No, you don't, do you? This world is in a mess. And there are no economic solutions, political solutions. The answer to the need of men's hearts is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one gospel that saves sinners. And he's put it in the hands of us. And so you see, this principle, this cycle we've talked about is really important I used to think that you walked through this, he took, he blessed, he broke, he gave and that's it, you've arrived but I've learned I have to keep relearning these principles so that I've retired last year and I've almost had to come back to square one and say okay Lord, what do you want to do now? He took He blessed, he broke, he gave. And we've probably been through this this cycle many times in our Christian walk. Chances are you're dealing with one of them now in your life. Maybe God's saying, well, you need to give that up or you need to give this thing to me. Maybe you're going through, oh, I'm so blessed, it's just brilliant. That's great. Maybe you're going through a season of brokenness. That doesn't mean he's discarded you. It means he's doing something special in you. He gave. He's longing to use you to touch lives out there. I wonder which one it is for you today. Which... I have to, because it's the way I'm wired, I have to say, if you've never given your life to Jesus, there's a special day for doing that. It's called today. Hello? It's called today. And as I wrestled with Jesus, 1973, I became a Christian at work. That's because you'd never have got me in a church. Okay, you wouldn't. You got no chance. It's It's quite a story. And God was really sneaky, he put a Christian next to me at work. He's still alive. Bless him. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, the day 
to do that is today. Really is. Because he died on a cross for you. There are many things we rejoice in, but central to all of our teaching and everything we do is the fact that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He blessed. See, that's why you have to come to the cross first. <laughs> and then Jesus can bless you. As you come to that place where you've given and surrendered your life to him, he can do amazing things with you. He broke. He broke. And you may be here this morning, and there will be people here that are still feeling brokenness this morning. Understand that the brokenness is not because God doesn't love you, it's because he has a special place in his heart for you. And so don't be hard on yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. He gave. Are we ready to let him use us to go out to a hungry world out there? Let's pray together. Oh God. He took. He blessed. He broke. He gave. Lord, wherever we are on this cycle, will you touch us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, for anyone here that's struggling to surrender their life to Christ, Lord, will you just give them a revelation of your love for them? Now, this is not an exam they've got to pass, but this is an act of opening up to a loving God to a wonderful Father. Oh, Lord. Lord, wherever we are on this, this cycle, Lord, touch us by the power of the Holy Spirit this day. Get yourself glory. Get yourself glory in our lives. Lord, help us to understand once again that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Amen.